Welcome to the Ages Comics of Alaska podcast, where we tell Alaskans what to put in their box at Alaska's comic book shop. I always wished I could do something better than comics, but there didn't seem to be anything. This is the Ages Comics of Alaska podcast, and now your hosts, Lou and Amy Joe. Hey, what's going on, everybody? What's up? You killed it with that intro video. I don't know if I've told you that before, but just the the cool like flipping of all the pictures and everything. I every time I watch it, I'm always like, "That's so cool!" Oh, that's us. If only, if only I could impress you in every factor of life like that. I mean, there's always a goal that we want to reach, so don't set your sights down here, and we'll just keep reaching for. You do a good job. You All do a good right. job. Well, guys, welcome to the show. Welcome to the Aegis Comics of Alaska podcast. And this is the Heroes Without Capes uh, series that we're doing. Yes. Uh, we hope that you guys have found it entertaining, but also educational. And I mean, that's critical. Educational and informing, I think, yeah. is a really important part of this because the goal in all of this is to affect change. And until we start a conversation, nothing's going to change until people start talking about this. And I think people are talking. Yeah, people are talking, and we're starting to see some change. They should. Uh, We uh, are going to do just a a very quick housekeeping with uh, uh, just some slight follow-ups on the last episode. Yeah, but we're going to change it up with this episode. For anyone that's here for like a lot of juiciness, you're going to get some juicy, but a lot of this is going to be just a lot of fun. This episode is about like fun and goodness. Well, kind of. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's the Let's goal. Let's not get crazy. Let's that's not get the cra- goal. But uh, we, we do want to uh, change it up a little bit with some positive stuff. Yes. and some and, and some, you know, some stories from Bush, Alaska. And, yeah. And, you know, uh, doing this job. Me as dispatching, uh, you with your stuff. Like, there's no point. There's, there, there's always time to make sure that we reminisce about the good while we're talking about all the heavy. That's true. Now, uh, with, with the housekeeping, real quick, I just wanted to talk to people about, first thing, uh, one of the people that we left out in the story in Dillingham was the actual victim of the burglary that caused the felony uh, uh, felony warrants for Mary Tilden's arrest. Yes. Uh, how this all comes to fruition is that uh, this individual at one point calls up the troopers and he even calls up the DA's office and is like, hey guys, I just noticed Mary Tilden walking on the road wearing my hoodie. She's wearing my clothing and I want to know how was it that this woman, didn't she almost kill a trooper? Why is she out? But let's, let's back it up even more. He made a report because they had broken into a residence of his. And and, and that's what I was going oh, oh, yeah. to get to. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm kind of giving the punchline. Oh, okay. I was just making sure. So what happens is they broke into his residence. They stole all of his firearms. They sold off all of his stuff. To include clothes. And this individual is now upset, rightfully so, because there's no restitution because... Mm-hmm. The ADA at the time who ended up getting terminated for this conduct had dismissed everything, including dismissing him for restitution. Yeah. She lied on record and told Judge Ray that 
hey, I tried to reach out to this guy multiple times. He never called me in regards to this Rule 11 hearing. So obviously he doesn't care. It was a lie because yep. there were witnesses in the courtroom that knew this guy personally and knew that he had not been called. Yeah. And when we when he called to make his complaint, he even made that clear to us. The DA's had my number the whole time. It's not changed. Nothing's changed. I should have been brought into this. Uh, the other thing, of course, that happened during that was that... For those of you that went to the actual link, to the KDLG link, you yep. can actually hear the audio from that hearing where you have Chief Pascarello state, hey, the Dillingham Police Department has never relinquished case responsibility mm -hmm. for the burglary or the attempted murder on uh, Lunieves, and we don't know why we weren't informed. They weren't contacted about anything, hardly. So essentially what happens is, State troopers, I'm in the shooting. ABI with Chung Chan come in. There's, their job is to investigate only my portion to determine whether or not I violated policy. The criminal aspect is all Dillingham Police Department. That whole case was Dillingham Police Department that exactly. had me as the victim. So, of an attempted murder. Yes. Of a law enforcement officer. What ends up happening, though, is that ABI comes in, convinces the Department of Law that they are the case officers, dismisses all of Dillingham's charges, with yep. exception of the looting, failed to enter the vehicle. The stolen vehicle is evidence. I had to Forever. actually call them like months later. Hey, I'm tired of staring at this vehicle. Yeah. You guys need to enter the evidence or surrender it to the victim because the victim keeps calling us asking for this yeah. pickup truck. And so you see the inconsistencies there. Just uh, just pointing just, out a lot of inconsistencies. There's a lot, but there's a lot of there's a lot of other victims involved. Yeah, in this. it's not just one or two. There's multiple people and that were involved. The consequence of the dismissals as we know, empowered Mary Tilden because only a few months later, she was in Anchorage leading the Anchorage Police Department on another dangerous pursuit. With a stolen vehicle, I believe? With a stolen vehicle. Yeah. So once again, no, she learned she's expanded, so well. Yeah, and hmm. she expanded her her criminal activity outside of Bristol Bay. Well, she was on her, you know, quote unquote probation that was going to make everything better while mm -hmm. she was in Anchorage doing more so, crime and stealing more vehicles. And, just you know. remember, you know, uh, until recently, uh, it has always been said that cops are not victims and make horrible victims. That was from the multiple DAs and ADAs that I've spoken to. Now, there are some that say, hey, that's nonsense, that's not true, we will fight to the death for an officer in court. Unfortunately, it's their subordinate ADAs that are still citing the fact, oh, cops make horrible witnesses and they make even more horrible uh, victims in, uh, in trial. And once again, they're using these little bad examples of bad cops. Mm -hmm. And there's not many bad cops. There's really not. And no. that just reminded me, as you said that, of the email that I have from a particular higher up within the Department of Law when I emailed asking about why the charges were dismissed on you. I, right. I emailed and they said, 
their email back to me was, I know Lou personally. He's a good man and a good cop. And I am looking into this, why these assault charges would be dismissed. Well, you know, it, uh, there's so much to talk about regarding that. And yeah. I, I, what I want to do is I, I do want to keep us focused on uh, uh, um, on what's happening now. Yeah. And a couple of cheerful of things that have happened yeah. in the past. We'll have well, some happy in yeah. there, too. We'll sprinkle but, some happy on there like we're a, a chef with the, the salt and we'll just <laughs> sprinkle some happy. So... Um, you know, uh, we, once again, when either the DA or uh, people fail, whether it be the cops, the DA, whatever, uh, leadership or management teams fail, everyone hurts, right? Exactly. And, you know, uh, I really wanted to celebrate, uh, the recent, uh, DPS announcements of changes in leadership, but it kind of... Uh, it seems like they've they're kind of going back to their old ways here. So let me explain. So I bring up this photo of the uh, the the new colonel, the new and the command staff that's there. Uh, you'll notice one of the big things is there's. I'm looking at the picture right now. I don't see any wildlife representation at all. And for those of you who have fallen victim to not having a case investigated or living in a community that doesn't have sufficient law enforcement mm-hmm. are wondering why the state troopers have never been at 100% manning part of your problem is in this photo here it's not all of them because there are some stellar superheroes standing there but i find it interesting that standing behind the new director of Alaska State Troopers is a couple of individuals that absolutely should not be in the position that they're 100%. in. I look at one where this individual is, you know, we used to nickname him Blinky. So for those of you who know what I'm talking about, we used to call him Blinky. He was in my academy class. This is an individual graduated with me from the academy, went on patrol from patrol for about a year from patrol he went to uh the dui team where he he was essentially the taxi driver for uh, for sarah palin uh they turned into the protective detail overnight Mm -hmm. and then got promoted to corporal went to the academy so he's at the academy teaching theory on two years of experience yeah and has never done a child forensic interview, has never interviewed a sexual assault victim, has never done truly any major crimes or count or narcotics operations. Fast forward gets promoted. He is currently the commander of Alaska Bureau of Investigations. How this individual with the resume that he lacks is all of a sudden in charge of the primary investigatory branch of the Alaska State Troopers is beyond me. And, Mm. you know, then you have standing directly behind the new director, and prior to this image was uh, uh, the commissioner, Mm -hmm. is an individual that has been sued successfully multiple times for excessive force. There's a YouTube video out right now from a, a, a disabled veteran that 
posted his encounter with this individual who has continued to be a use of force liability for the department, but they promoted him to be a commander of D detachment. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. I look just a couple of people down to the very far right, standing right next to Dunleavy, is an individual who, and this is how awkward for people that don't understand how awkward this photo is right now. You see an African-American captain standing next to him. They were corporals together in the academy. That particular individual I hold in high regard, a member of the National Organization of Black Law Enforcement Executives, has been recognized by both of our senators Mm -hmm. and uh, the former congressman, has been uh, noted for leadership in the community. And he was prior military, correct? And prior military. That's what I thought. The guy to the right of him, never been in the military, uh, basically put into the position uh, based off of his uh, family history. Lineage. His lineage. Had referred to the other African-American commander in this photo with the hard R on the N-word years ago in in Fairbanks, right? Mm. To this day has never apologized for stating that. To this day has never apologized for making such a powerful racist comment towards a fellow law enforcement officer just because of the color of their skin. But yet, this person, finding himself re-victimized again, has to stand in line with an individual who has knowingly made these comments to him. Right. Okay? Why do I bring this up, guys? If you guys have ever watched a series called The Wire, there's this scene where all the commanders are like throwing up before the commanders meeting. They're like super stressed out because the commanders meetings are all we watched the other day. Yes. Where they just, the dude just attacks all of his commanders on a regular basis. Right. That's what happens at this meeting. (laughs) And all they do, instead of supporting each other, they're all vying to see who the next commander or colonel is going to be. Mm -hmm. And all they do is sabotage each other. That's all they do. This is, legitimately Game of Thrones right here that you're looking at. You have these solid, good people that are the minority in this photo surrounded by vultures that are just waiting to pounce. To pounce and get their and get mm-hmm. their, their their slab of meat, right? And that's not I, the culture you should be in. And no, and the reason that the department is going to stay in this endless loop One of the reasons, anyway, I just find it ironic is that uh, the link to PSEA uh, in particular, although there is an NEA linkage too, uh, my ex-wife was, uh, uh, she used to go to Juno and speak for NEA. And NEA is the, the, the... It's the Union for the Teachers. That's right, that's right. The National Educators Association. Oh, okay. All right, so... PSEA is the Public Safety Employees Association. Mm-hmm. So NEA and PSEA, for those of you that are not aware, are two of the most powerful unions in the state of Alaska. If you're going to run for governor mm-hmm. in the state of Alaska, you must, must be endorsed by the two unions or you will not win. 
That is a proven fact. If you are not endorsed by PSEA and NEA, you don't win. Right. So this goes into the next issue, right? And this is where I worry, I truly worry about corruption. Here we have three colonels. I have in the photo, I have Barry Wilson, I have Doug Massey, and I have the new colonel, Mo Hughes. Mm-hmm. You'll see, I, by, not by accident, I inserted a photo of Dunleavy photographed with PSEA members, including, you'll see, Doug Massey in the photo there, mm-hmm. standing right next to him, the shorter of all of them. And he's wearing, Dunleavy's wearing that gov- the PSEA cuspuck knockoff jacket, yeah. right, that they all got. Here's interesting, though. What do they all have in common? Barry Wilson, Doug Massey, and Mo Hughes have all been presidents of PSEA. All three of them have been oh, presidents of PSEA. I all did of not them. know that. All of them. Doug Massey, just to prove a, a point here, who's that with Bill Walker and uh, Monaghan? Oh, that yeah. would be Doug Massey endorsing uh, Governor Walker. Mm-hmm. On behalf of PSEA. <clears throat> Look at this photo here. That's Dunleavy. Once again, endorsed by PSEA. Yep. I remember when they endorsed Walker because uh, uh, PSEA and NEA advised Walker that had he not merged his ticket with Malat, they would have never oh. voted. And uh, they, they would have never endorsed. Oh, okay. So as part of the agreement, he had to bring on Malat. It, it was a must deal. These are the type of things that happen. Isn't Malat the one that got in trouble, like at the yeah, end of his uh, and, and rest in peace. Yeah, he got he got in uh, he got himself in some trouble, some sexual harassment stuff, which you know among you know people like Wilson and Rick Roberts and them. That's not a that's not an issue. That's actually a, a plus for them. But um, with that being said, uh, uh, he ended up dying, if I recall, a I... heart attack or something. Uh, so uh, rest in peace to him. But uh, uh, yeah, he he did get himself in trouble. So I find this interesting, and a lot of people don't understand this, that the way politics work in Alaska, it's actually pretty transparent. If you just look, if you just open your eyes, you'll see it. Alaskans, Alaska's still a brand new state. Yeah, we're not that old. So the crooked politics, they really don't know how to hide it that well. So this is all out in the open. And These it's almost pictures like I just grabbed list. right from the web. Uh, I just grabbed this from Google. Yeah. Nothing. Uh, it's not like, we didn't get these in Discovery. This was part of just Google. This is just Google. Straight up. You could have Googled this and seen this connection too. Yeah. So this is how a guy, in this case Doug, who's a sergeant, promotes to the highest rank in the department. Overnight. Overnight. Well, that's how that happens. Yep. So there's, you know... Uh, Take it for a grain of salt. You can learn from it or you can, you know, stay blind. That, that's up to you. So this is, you know, it, 
people wonder how is this stuff happening in the department and everything mm-hmm. else well it's uh we were talking about it the other day with a friend and uh they're right it's you know if you've been a part of hazing mm-hmm. it becomes a rite of passage you know if you were in the navy and you were shellback that's hazing right okay when you cross the equator and that that's hazing mm-hmm. and every every single uh, armed forces has their own rite of passage, which is right. a version of hazing, right? 100%. Hazing, the hazing culture continues because of the fact that you feel that since it's happened to you, it's okay for you to do it to the next person. Right. And the culture never changes. Nope. The only way to fix the Department of Public Safety is to completely, 100% gut out the current management staff and mm-hmm. replace it with a community endorsed leadership staff. It's a big difference. I say this because there's a book out by Dr. Oliver, and I have got to get that man on this show. Dr. Oliver talks about that in his book, uh, re- uh, Selection, excuse me, Recruitment, Selection, and Retention of Law Enforcement Officers. Uh, when he does his training, he came up here and he actually, I brought him up and through APSC and he was actually speaking to uh, uh, the commanders at the oh, time. Oh, nice. And I was sitting there because I was invited and it was to watch the, the wind taken out of their sail <laughs> was off the chain because he walks in there and uh, it was Barry Wilson at the time. He brings up uh, that, hey, we can't recruit right now. You know, we've had this show, the Alaska State Trooper show, uh, Nat Geo. We had record number of applicants, but yet we're not able to recruit or retain. Mm-hmm. And that was his his attack on the recruitment unit and right. just the other commanders. It, typical. Yeah. He offered no solution. He just wanted to offer this attack, broad attack. Right. Well, Dr. Oliver, who his job is to mentor and to fix departments. That was one of his jobs before he became mm-hmm. a professor. And this author, he states, you know, well, the way I would solve that, the way I solved every problem at the last three agencies that I fixed, was I would come in on day one and I would fire all of you. I would fire all of those commanders. I would fire all of them. Remove them all from positions of authority. Mm-hmm. Put them back on patrol. Whatever you have to do, you get rid of them. And then he said, and as they're all shocked now that he said this, it was Loudon was there. I could hear Loudon squealing, you know, like, you know, I, I heard that, that sound coming oh, from him. Oh, my goodness. And anyway, they're all shocked. And he says, whoa, 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 let me explain. He says, are you guys aware of the Marriott? The Marriott, one of their business practices is to purchase failing hotels. Okay. That's what they do. They purchase failing hotels. And when they do... Depending on what type of hotel it is, they determine on whether it's going to be, you know, like a creme de la creme, or is it going to be one of their smaller middle road hotels. But, key phrase, failing hotels that they purchase. Right. Failing. So, do you think that they retain the management staff when they go and take over these hotels? Obviously, that management staff isn't working. 
they terminate the entire management staff. As soon as they come in and uh, acquire one of these failing hotels, the first thing they do is terminate the entire management staff because it is clear that the reason that the hotel was failing was because of their lack of leadership. Right. It is no different than with a department, and this is why you have consent decrees where the Department of Justice comes in and uh, institutes a committee, an oversight committee made up of local shareholders that take control of backgrounds, uh, recruitment backgrounds, training, day-to-day operations of the department as oversight because you need that. Because make no mistake, Mo may be a solid guy, but there's guys in that background right now that I know for a fact are plotting on his demise. Oh, 100%. If they can make him look bad, by being passive-aggressive on their duties, Mm -hmm. not a problem. Yeah. Because they're just preparing for their time to be in that position so that they can have their picture put up on the hallway and at headquarters. And if you guys feel that I'm exaggerating, please go to headquarters, request a tour, and I want you to go to the director's hallway. Right. Where the director and the commissioner are. I want you to look on the wall, and I want you to look at all of the photos of all of the directors. And you're going to see so much inconsistency in leadership. Yeah. It's the same with the commissioners. You're going to see some commissioners whose photos are up on the wall that serve for like three days. And others that serve for a couple of months. And then others that serve for a couple of years. The only way you're going to get change is an 8 to 10 year model where you completely go in, gut the old uh, uh, and start a new old boys club and start new it takes you about four years to clean up and to weed out the guys that are sitting there waiting right. for their chance yeah they can only pounce. sit for so long and then it takes another four years to implement the new culture where it becomes a culture within the department within mm-hmm. the organization so that they can turn around and they can start positively impacting on the Uh, on the community because if not you end up with a leadership staff like this that could only be described as it's a bunch of crap boys club because it is very obvious that the good old boys club is still very prevalent today mm-hmm. and even in 2022 you have that 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 lifestyle that culture still very prevalent which is sad because their first reaction isn't we need to do what's right it's Ooh, we need to help this guy and like cover this up Ooh, let's right. let's figure out how to sweep this under the rug and they've done that on multiple occasions and for you that are listening that disagree prove me wrong Mm-hmm. Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong that the good old boy club is not firmly in place. Now, I will say, with this new appointment that they've done with people, the only thing you can do at, at this point is hope for the best. I hope mm-hmm. that Mo can do the right things and and make positive changes. I hope that the other people that were promoted that that they're able to to do some positive things. I also know because it's been systemic almost 
that it is a very hard battle. And whereas you go in with the best intentions, as my grandma says, the road to hell is paved in good intentions. Yep. It is a very hard thing to break that cycle and to be the person standing up going, hey guys, this is wrong. We need to do it right. Because as we've seen what's happened with you, you stood up to them. You stood up to your leadership saying, no, this is wrong. We're doing this wrong. And look what happened. Right. So, like I said, Mo, I I hope the best for you. I feel very Dave Chappelle Saturday Night Live right now when he <laughs> made like that assumption for Donald Trump. And yeah. everyone thought he was like a Trump supporter. And I'm not saying that I am not a Mo supporter. I'm not saying that I'm a, a Mo hater in any way, shape, or form. I've met the man in person at my home in Dillingham. Mm-hmm. I hope that you can keep your moral compass pointed north. And I hope that you can stand up and do what's right. I know because of what you have been through and me being your spouse, being next to you through all of this, that that is a large hill to climb. And I hope you have the fortitude to climb it. Yeah, I wish him the best uh, in terms of that. I know that uh, uh, he's pretty savvy in terms of... uh, he knows the history of the other commanders that are there. Right. He knows who his allies are and who. But unfortunately, so did the prior colonels, and they still don't see that blind spot. They still someone. They, you right. know, it's it's like that person that the person yeah. who can sell art mm-hmm. to a blind man. There's that's exactly how Barry Wilson got into the position he did. That mm-hmm. man didn't do it on his accolades. He did it because he knew how to sell himself to the right people. And what do we say about corruption? It's a bunch of crap. That soundbite's never going to get old, <laughs> ever. So, uh, that back to uh, 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 <clears throat> one of the things uh, I did want to talk real quick because uh, I promised um, we have a friend of ours sent us a follow up, quick follow up on housing. Yes, this was the Antioch housing. This is what they expected troopers heading to Antioch live in, and. Here's the interior. This is exactly what it looked like in the interior. That's a door without a handle for those that are not able to see the pictures that we're showing. A restroom with the boiler in it. And not much of a door. Yeah, that can't be safe. Uh, That's the The flooring. flooring coming apart. Yeah. This is the Selowick housing. This is the Selowick apartment. So you're living... Well, you know, multiple families from local community. They're like apartment, townhouse type things. Uh, uh, The apartment is right here, the second one. uh, The second one from the uh, right. And that's the trooper apartment. Uh, There's the trooper four-wheeler there. As a matter of fact, I'm I'm the one who took this photo. But uh, uh, this tells you, you know, you're living in the community. You're living among uh, uh, the locals. Mm -hmm. Nothing wrong with that. the only thing, though, that they don't compensate you for is the fact that I got no sleep while I was there because there was always people knocking on the door and asking they for help. They knew where the and trooper until, was. Until the culture, until there's finally used to a trooper uh, doing their job and everything else, they you always end up in a backlog, right? Because if you right. show up to a community that hasn't had enforcement for years, maybe decades, you're in an uphill battle. And uh, this particular community, trust you've got to get to know the community. You've got to show them that you're actually there to help. And then once they know that, they trust you. 
That's right. They don't trust the other guy. They trust you, which is why they're going to go knock on your door. And that's true. You know, and uh, unfortunately, you become a personal trooper, which is something you don't want to be if you want to stay sane. But at the same time, you have to establish relationship with your community. Um, uh, In this particular community, they just recently, like they just recently had a, uh, a woman that killed herself. The community called uh, the troopers For and advised check. them, hey, welfare check, this woman is... Uh, um, not doing she, good. She's not doing good. She's suicidal and she's threatening to hurt other people. She's threatening to hurt herself and others. Automatically, that's a flight you go. In this case, because they cite budget and lack of support from the agency, they see what happens when troopers go to uh, use force, that there's not going to mm-hmm. be that support. Well, what ends up happening is uh, uh, the woman ends up killing herself. Troopers never responded. Yeah, and not until she was dead. And so, you know, you have this this cycle that could have been prevented. And then, of course, this is me, a younger me, in front of the Selowick uh, Public Safety. Uh, uh, it was at City Hall. That's an old sign from decades ago. Kelly uh, Turney's probably just wishing he had those old signs for yeah, his Alaska picker stuff. I know. <laughs> That's, Shout out Alaska Picker. Oh, yeah. That sign there is uh, uh, from when it used to be a post ages ago. And, uh, That's so cool. That particular trooper, his wife died out there. So mm. then uh, uh, the post closed shortly after. Mm. Uh, that was, like I said, long before my time. And, uh, you know, that place, when I talk, I mean, one of the most horrible work conditions, uh, uh, they had jails in there or jail cells. With no heat, no electricity, oh no gosh. plumbing. And, you know, guys would stay in jail there for a couple of days waiting to be transported to uh, 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 Kotzebue. So, wow. I mean, this is stuff that there has been money placed in the budget to correct this kind of stuff. But DPS, they just fire and forget a lot of times. And, and that's, I think, what happens is, is like I said, the road to hell is paved in good intentions. They have the intention of, oh, we need to do this. But then there's no follow through because they get sidetracked with whatever affair they're working on, or maybe that was the bad term to use, but, but it's also yeah. true. Uh, you know, and they, they lose focus on, hey, we actually need to make these things better. You know, like, hey, do you know how much your morale would be better in some of these posts mm-hmm. if our house wasn't full of mold? Yeah, it's. I mean, that's. I, I'm just saying, from personal experience, that would have made my life a lot better to not be worried about asbestos and mold the whole entire time I was in that home breathing. It's a bunch of crap. Crap. It's a bunch of crap. It's a bunch of crap. It's a bunch of crap. So, the the one thing I will say about Selwick is some of my best times in terms of in law enforcement and teaming up with uh, local uh, locals that wanted to do the right thing, even though many of them were horrific as cops, but they, they tried their damn best. Oh, right? but they, 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 they tried, man. They got their, you know, they had My their... My favorite stories are yours of this post. Well, yeah, they, you know, they some of them had their three-day crash course in law enforcement, and, you know. They're like, here you go, here's a four-wheeler a and, a, and a bulletproof vest. Have a good yeah. time. And, uh, actually, we didn't give the VPO's vest. Oh, they, you didn't? Oh, no, dang. Uh, the majority of them didn't give us. They just got the gray uniform and a ball cap and a gun belt with uh, oh, the pepper spray. Oh, the ball cap makes it okay, obviously, the ball pepper cap. Pepper spray and handcuffs. That was it. And, and a baton. Uh, so, uh, Or as our, our buddy called it, his bad guy do good stick. It, oh, God. <laughs> so 
here we are. Uh, one of my stories there, which was pretty, I, I mean, it was sad and funny at the same time. Because you end up with you dark humor. You have to find humor. So if people hear some of our stories, and whereas the the basis of the story has a dark corner to it, you have to, as a dispatcher, as law enforcement, you have to find humor or this job will consume you. So for people that are like, I can't believe you laughed about that. Uh, trust me, it laughing about it is a much yeah. healthier outlet than just letting it consume you. So before we go into that story, I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. So, you know, here's the horrific side of it is that, you know, we, I get a report from my sergeant. You know, he's like, hey, I was just, I was at the ER. There's a baby here that's been bitten from head to toe by their mother. We know who the mother is. We need to interview her. And if probable cause, we need to take her into custody. Okay, no problem. All right. So uh, we have an eyewitness. We know that uh, where she is. I get to her house. I go with uh, Clarence, my boy, Snyder, the VPO. And he had just graduated from that like three-day crash academy, right? Okay. I think it was three days or five days. I forget. It was, it was a short academy, but it, not I long mean, enough. They, but you know, at least they there was something. They to be dangerous. Right? At least they learned. At least they got to go to something. They learned about evidence gathering and everything else, but just not a lot of detail, right? So, I'm interviewing her. He's there with me, and she admits my boyfriend was breaking up with me. I was upset, so I started biting the baby, and. Every time he tried to leave, I'd bite the baby. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. So listening to this, I said, okay, thank you for being so honest. She said, I was drunk at the time. I'm so sorry. Okay. I believe you. May I take a picture of your teeth? And she says, yes. And right when I go to take the picture, I hear Clarence. Hey, yo, 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 wait, 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 wait. I've got a block of cheese at my house. Why don't we have her bite the block of cheese and then we can have a mold of her teeth? So I'm on audio recording this and I'm like, so I'm trying to stay focused and I say, no, we're not going to do that. And this girl is looking at me like kind of clueless and at the same time she's kind of like, oh no, I'll bite the cheese if you want. I'm like, no, no cheese. No cheese. We're not going to do cheese the cheese. Cheese is delicious, but no. No, we're not going to do that. He won't let it go. Yo, I won't even charge the state. It's Tillamook and it's still wrapped. And I'm like, yo, no, no, no cheese. No. And the I'm fact like, that no. he said what brand it was is my favorite yeah. part. It's Tillamook. Yeah, like, it makes it better. I was like, no, no. It's not no. the off brand. It's Tillamook. It's Tillamook. Like, he was so looking it's at me. Be good. And I'm not even going to charge the state for it, man. I'll just give it. I'll, I'll just donate give you it to the cause. I was like, no. It's not Taco Tuesday. So, you know, we uh, punchline is uh, uh, end up arresting her. Uh, got the photos. Not that it wasn't a good idea, though. I want to point that but, out. Clarence, if you are listening to this, the first time Lou told me this story after I stopped crying laughing, I said, Yo, points awarded for a very good idea. The execution, not the best because, you know, cheese gets moldy. It's not like it's like plaster cast or any of that uh, other stuff. But points awarded 100% for 
for creativity and originality on that one. Like he was thinking outside the box. Yeah, the uh, the DA in this one ends up. I give him the evidence, and he ends up dismissing all charges and reducing it to harassment. Uh, uh, what was it? Uh, offensive, uh, offensive physical contact. That's yes. what it got reduced to. And I remember we ended up having to file a complaint against the, because the DA's office because that was just kind of ridiculous. Biting your child to leave marks head yeah. to toe is just well, terrible. Well, if the, baby, if the baby has to go to the ER. And what ends up happening in that one, fast forward, OCS calls me up upset because, hey, we're in, we're in this custody hearing in Nome and the judge is about to grant this, this woman her kid back and... Uh, she's mm. citing the fact that the D, since the DA didn't find probable cause to charge her with felony assault, and it was only harassment, she gets to get the baby back. I'm like, oh are you kidding gosh. me? And for the record, she got the baby back. That's um, so horrible. This DA, this ADA is now a judge, by the way. Sounds so, about right. Sounds about right. But, sounds about right. Sadly, um, and it happens. Um, there was couple of cases like that uh there was another one that th- this particular da um reduced to harassment okay this was a multiple stabbing so i have a guy that we believe has been the suspect in burning down the Selowit church not once but twice yes the church has been burned down twice it made national news I believe that this is the individual. Uh, he, when I had spoken to him in the past, uh, even while intoxicated, he was he blamed the church for the death of his wife. His wife died from cancer. His wife uh, was uh, a big member of the church, and he just had this unspoken hatred because he's the like the trauma and the grief the of leaving and his grief wife, and God didn't wife. save her. Yeah, and God didn't save her, and she served God. Da da da. So. Even though I don't condone the action, I understand. Okay, at least we got a guy with motive, right? So I got the guy. I know what his motive is. Prime suspect. I get a report from Clarence that he is currently at the hospital. He has been stabbed multiple times. And we know who the guy is who stabbed him. So my mind, you know, my ABI mind... Alaska Bureau of Investigation mine when I was investigated, I'm putting broad picture together saying right. he was probably stabbed because of the church thing. Yeah. One would get to that conclusion very easily. So and that and that, that church is a big uh big thing in the community. So I get there and I just received a message from Clarence recently just reminding me about this story and how he thought it was hysterical. But we're sitting there and I'm in my my moment of truth as a criminal investigator. You live for the confession. Oh yeah. You live for finally closing a case. He's sitting in his in his uh, clinic bed over at the Selawit Clinic. It's just me, him, and Clarence. And I say to him after he's told me that he's been stabbed. I said, "Hey, man." Why did he stab you? 
let alone so many times because he stabbed you. I, I forgot. It was like 14 times he oh, got damn. stabbed in his leg. And to so that people understand, he stated that he was trying, he was drinking with this guy, and it's a dry community. He was trying to crawl away from him, and the guy kept stabbing him in his legs to keep him from crawling away. And I said, why? Why was he doing this to you? I am, at this point, presuming that he's going to turn around and declare to me, because he thought I burned down the church. And then I was going to follow up, right. and I was going to get this confession. You had the plan. The I road had the plan. was there. I had it. I was going to have my Netflix moment. It was going to be dope. Unsolved mysteries. 100%. I got you. Oh, no. He shouts, because he was trying to butt fuck me. <laughs> so that catches me off guard, and I wasn't prepared for that. So I'm not ready for that answer. I don't know if anyone would be ready for that answer. I start trying to look at other things in the room because I'm not trying to laugh. It just caught me off guard. And Clarence, detecting that I almost broke, says, Hey, man, what did he do? No. He tried to buttfuck me. I'm like, Jesus. And Clarence, who now knows that I am doing everything I can not to piss myself laughing because it's the way he's saying it. Yeah, very, very emotional. And With conviction. With conviction. And Clarence is like, I'm going to make him say it again. So Clarence like, man, I didn't hear you. And he's smirking, so I didn't hear you the first time. What'd you say? Oh, no. And he yells, he tried to butt fuck me he tried to pull my pants down and butt fuck me and i wasn't gonna do it so then he started stabbing me oh jesus my gosh and i know that clarence at this point thinks that this is the funniest thing in the world oh my gosh i and can't wait to it has man. been over and over and over and over again where we have these little things and Nonetheless, now we have an attempted rape and, an and multiple stabbings. I forward said charges, and the DA says that's harassment. Those were just pokes. Those were just pokes. Those weren't actual knife wounds. I was like, what kind of poke are we talking about? And I say, yeah. <laughs> and it was several of us, several troopers and officers like, let me, air quotes, poke you 14 times in your leg. And you let me know at what point, with a knife, mm -hmm. at what point you would like to declare it a felony. Good Lord. Or at least a Class A misdemeanor, for I fuck's mean, sake. I mean, at least a misto. So, Come on. Yeah. So Do better. You know, and, you know, it's, it's these funny stories that always happen. You know, I... Uh, I remember uh, uh, I have to have him on the show at one point Clarence? to tell the story. Clarence and... Uh, I have to be here for this. I won't be on the show. I just want to be in the background watching because what? I have a feeling I will literally pee myself laughing. I have uh, an FTO I got to bring on. He was one of my FTOs. A lot of people know him. And I got to see if I can get him on the show. I think he'll come on. But uh, 
I remember while I was on FTO, field training, it's my first moose dispatch. So those that don't know what that means, the moose was injured and you have to put it down to put it out of its misery. Right. It cannot go back into the wild. It's like, And for all of those that called me at dispatch and asked me to rehabilitate them, there's not that thing. Yeah, they don't do that up here. And I hate yeah. all of you that called and asked me to do that. Yeah, no vet is going to do that. We don't have moose rehabilitation. We're not the moose whisperers. No. The, the meat gets given to families and it's eaten. It's not wasted. I so, digress. So it's three in the morning. Okay. About three, maybe almost close to the four in the morning. We get called. A moose has been hit in a residential area. Uh-oh. Moose is there. We find it. My FTO says... I go to do shotgun. He's like, nope. What if you're in a situation where you can't get to your shotgun in time and you have to dispatch a moose that's coming at you or charging? You need to be able to put it down with your handgun. Which oh, that's is interesting. 40, which is a 40 cal. Wouldn't be my first choice, but I also get the logic. So I get it. I say, okay, I got this. And I've met other troopers and other FTOs that have dispatched moose with their so lock. Yeah. 40 cal. Okay. I've got my little imaginary X that I draw between the eyes. I pull the trigger. Fucking moose flinches. Moves its head. I shoot it right in the cheek. Oops. I'm like, Jesus. He's watching me the whole time I have to. This is like the me, myself, and Irene with the cow. Fuck, man. Now I feel horrible. I feel horrible. I can't leave it suffering. Obviously. So I shoot it again. It moves again. Shoot it in the neck. Oh, Jesus Christ. This is horrible. Now I know I'm going to have nightmares. I end up shooting. I get a kill shot. However, it doesn't just shut them off immediately. They're still breathing. The adrenaline, yeah. The adrenaline, the steam coming out of them. It's winter. So I shoot like... Three more times. And he yells, stop! My FTO. It's dead. Okay. I sit inside the car. And he looks at me and he says, straight face. He says, you know, this dispatch report, he says, you could probably use that moose as a pencil with the amount of lead that you filled into it right now. And I turn around, I'm like, Jesus. He says, now let's leave before someone calls this in as a drive-by because no one should be shooting a moose as many times as you did. Oh, my so goodness. We get the dispatch. Uh, we, we get the, the non-profit comes out. Gets the moose. And then we leave. You're like, enjoy that extra lid. It goes for a high dollar on the black market. And I just remember the whole time going, my God, he's right. There's like the caller sitting in their house and they hear these multiple gunshots going, good Lord, what just, was the the moose armed? Did it shoot back? I was just waiting for you to say that like, it was like seven o'clock in the morning and all these kids were waiting for the bus or something. Like that would be, that would be the icing on the cake. I know that's not what happened, but like, that's just. From that point on. Every moose in the state wanted payback. Well, they were not happy with they you. They wanted payback. I had... You had death threats from moose coming in? No, I'm just kidding. No, they were coming in on me. Uh, so I'm driving up the 
Big Lake, we're getting ready to uh, do an arrest warrant on a pedophile. This guy who had been um, raping his girlfriend's uh, little sister Ugh. for several months. We have a glass warrant. He confesses to the whole thing. The whole thing, man. It's good, solid glass warrant. Because um, you guys helped with it. What a novel idea. Sorry, yeah. that was a nod to somebody else. Yeah, so we got a solid glass warrant. You know, we we, we coach during the glass warrant. We hand notes out. We, it's a, The way ABI does it, at least back when I was trained, it, it, it's a legit operation. We get this glass warrant. He confesses to the whole thing. Has no idea that he's talking to us. He's talking to the girlfriend at the time. And he's an MMA fighter of all things. Oh, good Lord. So we show up. Well, we're heading up because uh, we're going to make meet him at a... Uh, we had the girlfriend tell him, Hey, meet me at uh, the gas station by Jones. Uh, uh, damn it, uh, not Jones. Uh, just Hollywood? before... Uh, uh, not Hollywood, but... Uh, uh, Johnson. Uh, Johnson. Johnson. Well, like, hey, meet us over there at Johnson with the girlfriend. So he thinks he's going to meet the girlfriend. That's going to be all of us. It's like surprise, motherfucker! Uh, we had Skip out there, a bunch of people. They all head out. Chung Chan is heading out with me. Chung Chan is behind me, and he's in. Uh, no, he was ahead of me, and he was uh, the patrol sergeant at the time because mm-hmm. we needed his assistance. Because on patrol, when you're ABI and you're going to go serve an arrest warrant, you. At least back when I was there, you always let patrol know. That way patrol knew if something bad was going to happen right? so that they could respond or if they could provide assistance from the get-go. And right? you guys always let us know in dispatch, too. Yeah, so we're going to arrest the guy. Chun's in front of me. We're heading up Big Lake Road. Uh, excuse me, uh, the parks towards Big Lake and Johnson. It's dark as hell. And I see Chan swerve. And some bitches say nothing on the radio. He swerves, and all of a sudden I don't see one but two moose. I dodge the first moose. The second moose, big-ass eyes, I hit it. Boom! And I'm in a Crown Vic, an unmarked Crown Victoria. Looked you in the eye and was like, you're the one that shot the other guy too many times. Well, I hit the moose. I don't see the moose. The moose is now gone. I hit the brakes immediately. Yeah. Chan... Parks, because I call on the radio, I just hit a moose. He starts heading back towards me. And he steps out of his vehicle. As he's yelling, stop, I roll down my window to talk to Chan. This moose's head pops up by the window. It's still alive. I panic. And I drop that son of a bitch in reverse. <laughs> and Chan's like, No! And I back up and I rip off the, the lower the lower spoiler of the of the crown big. Oh no. This thing is now covered in guts and everything. I was all front of my vehicle. Chan takes a couple pictures. We got a warrant to serve so Right. That guy's gonna the show. Vehicle's up. Still operational. Yeah. I go. We leave. Chan organizes to get a, a, a non profit out there, charity. Because yep. Moose is dead now. Yeah. Oh, it did now. So we get to the scene. Like a double tap. <laughs> like a double tap. We get to the scene. Guy comes into the parking lot. We take him down. They take him down and prone him out right in front of my vehicle. Nuh-uh. Unfortunately, no one is understanding why this guy's like freaking out and crying. 
we're thinking, oh, because he's... Remorseful. Remorseful. Should be. No, because they have him proned out, and they don't know. None of these guys knew. There's blood dripping on him. And the reason blood is dripping on him and it's causing him to panic is because he's in front of my grill that still has the remains of the internal organs of this fucking moose that is now dripping on him. But is it really that bad for it to happen to that guy? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like there was a small bit of karma justice in that just a little yeah, bit. This is the same dude who ended up strangling his own uh, defense attorney at a, uh, at Matsu pretrial. Uh, so yeah, the troopers that just heard that part of the story, uh, you can connect the dots, you know who it was. Um, I mean, geez, it's like story after story like that. You know, moose have always been... I remember uh, uh, this one was on FTO, but uh, this one, like, uh, I was told, yo, Lou, man, you got to watch your sense of humor. You know, hey, man, watch what you say, Lou, because sometimes your sense of humor is a little too much. Right. That's why we get along so well. Yeah, well, this guy, I forgot what road it was, and I was with with Pat Nelson. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Lordy, Lordy. He was my FTO. I love that dude. And he taught me a lot of lessons about surviving in the agency and stuff. But I remember and doing doing the job, right? Being proactive and stuff. And I remember he's like, all right, man, you got this. And I said, okay. So guy hits a moose. I think it was Lucille. I think it was on Lucille. Okay. It turns out it's his girlfriend's car. So he is in full panic because he has told his girlfriend's car. He is covered in what I think is his blood. Because the front end of this vehicle, the windshield, everything, the moose is inside the vehicle. I've had one of those as a medic. He hit it so hard that the he hit the moose so hard that the moose exploded they into explode. the vehicle. Intestines, everything. I can't help but notice he's covered in blood and covered in pieces of intestine and internal organs. The inside of the vehicle is completely trash, covered in guts and everything else. The guy's standing there. EMS is standing there. It's his girlfriend's car. He has cheetah print covers on the seats. And me with my outside voice say, I say, Jesus, this looks like a safari that went wrong. Oh, no. And Pat Pat is like, dude, no. (laughs) crying <laughs> my girlfriend's gonna kill me oh <laughs> my he wasn't supposed to be driving his girlfriend's car apparently and then on top of that he destroys the car uh who knows he was probably going to like another girlfriend's house. whatever he was whatever doing, you were he doing knew he was in trouble you weren't supposed to be in that car and, and now it moose. is exploded with moose this moose got him oh my goodness one of these days i'll find that picture somewhere but my last story with moose well actually no there's a couple of I had I had a moose. Uh, they hit it back when I was a medic. So this is we're, we're going way back for me. Uh-huh. It was out on the Glen on that long straight stretch past Sutton, like yeah. a mile sixty. Mm-hmm. And they hit the moose. Well, the way they hit it, like the ass end went in through the windshield. Well, you know when you're hit something going very fast and like everyone, you know you shit your pants. This moose literally shit like explosive, not the little nuggets. Mm-hmm. Like, just explosive shit came out of this moose's ass 
all over the inside, all over the occupants of the car. And I'm trying to like check them out to make sure they're not injured and like all this other stuff. And they're literally like just taking clumps of shit and just like taking it off of them. And and you're trying so hard to remain professional. They're very upset. They'd never hit an animal. Like I have not hit a big animal. The most I hit was a bird and that bitch flew in front of me. They obviously were committing suicide. There was nothing I could do about that. Uh, And so you're, you're trying. So I get it when you're, you know, I also don't have an inside voice. Like I tell people all the time, I'm not a fish tank. I do not have a filter. So I say, I was like, man, talk about a shitty day. (laughs) That apparently was not what you say to people covered in moose shit. Thankfully, they were all okay. None of them required transport to the... It's a bunch of crap. And I felt I felt really bad because I said that just like, you know, you don't think about it. It just pops into your head. You think just keep that in your head. But sometimes it just pops right out. That's what happened to me on that one. I was like, oh, oops. Jesus. No, the. uh... They do explode. I can I can attest to that. Not only have I taken calls where the moose has exploded. I've been on scene. Don't say the trooper's name. He's a friend of ours. But there was a trooper that hit a seagull. Remember? (gasps) Talk so, about that story. Oh, this one's a good one. So I had an active DV. We had an open line into the house. Not not that this is a good one in that regard. Like, it was very sad. We were listening to this woman get her ass beat. And so, you know, you tell the troopers, like, this is what we can hear. You, you relay everything that you're hearing while you're on the phone. Because we, at MACOM, back then, which they still are now, you're not... If you are an advanced department with the call volume that you have dispatchers should not be taking phone calls they should just be concentrating on dispatching (laughs) that's not the case Mm -hmm. so you're on the phone as you're dispatching and you're listening if you are blessed enough to have a call taker on the call takers updating your call and giving you like the information to give out over the radio and we're telling this trooper my two troopers that are headed that way i'm like yo it's it's on it is an active 1010 for people that don't know the 10 codes that means it's an active fight i'm like yo this is active we can hear it So like, and it's of course not something that's a quick drive. It's a longer drive and they're driving very, very fast. And this trooper gets me on the radio and he was like, if anyone calls you, I am well aware that there is a seagull that has flown into my front bumper and its (laughs) wing is straight up flapping on his hood because of the way. And so he's driving as fast as he can, you know, just wing flapping on the hood, whole nine yards emotional damage so he gets to the scene they run in as they should he doesn't care about the seagull because his first priority is to obviously go save the woman arrest Mm -hmm. the bad guy they do he forgets that the seagull is there gets the guy in the back of his car and he starts driving back to post which also houses the uh the jail And he tells me again, he's like, I'm not stopping. I'm just going to get to post and I'll deal with it there. And of course, the wing is flapping on the hood for the whole entire drive. (laughs) And it was so good that my friends at the other dispatch center at 9G Base, they went out and took pictures for me and I found them and I forwarded it to them to this trooper. And I'm like, remember this? And he's like, you bitch. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was like, these are so good. Oh, that one. Ugh. That one was a good one. My other favorite one was my trooper. Uh, one of my troopers kept, uh, he did a traffic stop. And for those that don't know, the 10 code for a traffic stop is 1036. Now, a lot of the times, if a trooper can't see the license plate immediately, they'll give a vehicle make model description, you know, like a blue Ford Fiesta, something like that. 
this trooper gets me on the radio and he's like, Matcom, 1B whatever. He's like, I'm going to be 1036 on a cream colored vulva. Um, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I'm going to need you to 109 that, which means repeat. I'm like, could you 109 that? And he goes, 10 for him, 1036 on a cream colored vulva. First of all, I didn't know they were cream colored. <laughs> Second of all, that's a Volvo. Key placement of an O, not a U. Oh my gosh, I couldn't breathe. I was laughing. I barely got 10-4 out because I just was like, oh my gosh, this dude said it not once but twice. Like, that is the best. It's a bunch of crap. Uh, <laughs> the last story that I will tell, it is not about troopers. It is about why education is important. Now, mind you, I say that understanding full well that I was raised by hippies in the middle of nowhere, Alaska, and I graduated from Palmer High, so that doesn't give me a lot of accolades. Like, don't ask me to do math or spelling or any of that stuff. However, I took a 911 call from a young lady one time, and uh, she was trying to call in what she reported as a dangerous driver. And I asked her to give me, like, a make model of the vehicle. She could just tell me that it was a car. I said, well, can you see the license plate? She says, yes. I said, can you tell me what the license plate is? Well, when you're on a phone, on a cell phone, all the other like noise, it's really hard to make out a lot of letters sound similar. So she says it to me really quick. And I said, you know what? Can you give me that license plate phonetically so I can make sure I got it right? She goes, uh, what? I said, you know, A like apple, B like boy. Can you do that? And she's like, oh, oh my God, totally. Like I can so do that. Okay. It's like, okay, F like fantastic um you as in unicorn and q uh q q is in cucumber stay in school what did you just say she said q is in cucumber i had to emotional damage i had to put her on hold <laughs> and get composure and get back on the phone and i'm like Okay, so I run the license plate, and I get the make and model off of it, and I said, does this match the description that she's giving me? And it did. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and let you go, because obviously, I don't think you can drive and be at the phone on the same time. Um, and she was, we had people in route to go pull them over. But this is where things are very important. I get it. But like, could we have come up with cues in quest, quality, quintessential? anything else cucumber which don't get me wrong cucumbers are delicious i enjoy them but i know that's not the right letter no stay in school don't do drugs <laughs> those are those are are some of my favorite i've uh i was very lucky and blessed in my dispatch career that i worked with some stellar and phenomenal officers um the, oh one more when one more was cool well, when I had the cool people there, yeah. Uh, before they literally did everything they could to get Destroy us out of out of there, um, and mm -hmm. treated you absolutely horrible when your dad's dying. But we'll save that story for another day. Um, there's one last one that's pretty good, and I have a picture of it, and I'll have to find it for you because I know I have it. Um, I worked part time at 9G Base uh, while we were dating before we moved to Dillingham, and when I was home from the slope, I would go over there and I would and I would help out. And I took this 911 call from this young lady and 
for anyone that knows me, knows that being raised by a sailor, I have a sailor's mouth. Mm. And I make no apologies for it. Like I said earlier, I very much mean it that I am not a fish tank. I don't have a filter. And sometimes there is not another word in the English vocabulary that can replace the word fuck. It is sometimes a very necessary word. But this chick was trying to report a disturbance. Every other word out of her mouth, and I'm not exaggerating when I say every other word, fuck this fucking fuck, over and over and over again. I didn't know what was wrong. So I say to her, with an officer standing right in front of me, who is now retired, who made me the sign, I said, look, I'm going to need you to take the word fuck out of your vocabulary and try that again so that I can understand what you're trying to report. And it stopped her dead in her tracks. I said, I am not trying to be facetious. I am not trying to exaggerate. I said, I honestly don't know what's wrong. I said, so let's try this again. And it was just dead silent for a minute. I said, I, I, I'm not kidding. I really want you to report this to me, but I need you to do it to where I can understand what's going on. I thought that officer was going to lose their ever-loving mind. They were laughing so hard. They had to walk out of dispatch. They were laughing. And then they made me this great 8 by 10 colorful and everything. And it said, I'm going to need you to take the word fuck out of your vocabulary and try that again. And they put it up at my dispatch console. And I was just like, I, I'm sorry. I wanted to help you. And, and I'm here to help you. That is, that is literally my job. But if I don't know what's wrong, I couldn't put it together. And I curse like a sailor. Lou gets on me all the time about it. You didn't need to curse. And I'm like, well, sometimes a key placement of that word is necessary. Not that many of them. I said it earlier. I'll say it again. Stay in school. Don't do drugs. <laughs> I, think so, it's, I think that it is important to humanize the job that we do. Yeah. I think it is important to humanize so that when people see officers in the wild for lack of a better term and sometimes maybe they made a comment that you're like well that wasn't very funny it may not have been but maybe that's just how they were processing i'm not saying that it excuses someone from using the n-word with a hard r when they're talking about someone that's never okay but, and, and there'll be there'll be a price to pay for that and there will but when you're on scene and a moose has shit all over someone and you say well, it's a shitty day mm-hmm is it maybe the best platform to say that out loud? Probably not. Should it be an inside word? Absolutely. Do they pop out sometimes? 100% because you need to humanize it. What a lot of people don't understand for dispatchers, like for cops, and you and I have talked about this a lot, for cops, when you guys respond to a call, you're dealing with that call. You are dealing with those people on scene, and until you clear, generally, we leave you alone because you're dealing with that. Mm-hmm. We don't have that in dispatch. I just got done taking a phone call, helping someone do CPR over the phone. I've now hung up because medics are on scene. And the next call I take is some Karen bitching because her neighbor's dog peed on the snow in front of my house. And from one, to, uh, from one and extreme there's to no, the And there's no break. You just The phone doesn't stop ringing, trust me. Even if you have food in your mouth and you got to be a squirrel and throw it in the side of your cheek while you're trying to you know, get your, your stuff out while you're swallowing without chewing. Because we didn't get working lunch breaks. We had to work through our... We had to eat at our consoles. 
we technically at one point became union and quote unquote had breaks, but we never had the staffing to actually take any of the breaks. <laughs> so, you know, but I digress. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, at MatCom in particular, you're supposed to have a call taker. That's all they do is answer the phone. At certain times of the day, we had call takers. It wasn't 24 hours. But it should be. At the time when I worked there nine years ago, it was only written in that they would be there for days and swings. So they weren't there um, okay. from midnight on. They were okay. not on. I think on Fridays and Saturdays, they would sometimes stay till two in the morning, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, but they generally left at midnight. But the call taker is supposed to. They are, but if they're already. So that people can be answering the radios and listening to the radio. True, but if they're already on the phone, that other phone line's ringing, you got to pick it up. Somebody's got to pick it up. And when there's an accident at Parks and Main, everyone thinks no one's calling it in. So you get 25 calls for the same accident, and we have to pick every single one of them up. And you have to make sure that that person that's calling it in doesn't have new information that you don't already know. Were you involved in the accidents? Are you with the people? Da da da. And then in the middle, it's not like you could just completely brush off these phone calls. You can't. I've only you. You can never not answer them. And if we missed, if we if we didn't answer that phone in time, it would roll back over to Ninety Base, and then they would get them and then have to relay it back over to us. There was only one time in the existence ever as a 911 operator for myself was when there was the Point McKenzie fire. This is dating myself. This is at least 15, 18 years ago. Um, There was a massive fire out at Point McKenzie, like hundreds of acres. Mm -hmm. And the smoke plume was so massive that everyone thought it was much closer to Wasilla. So we were literally getting hundreds of 911 calls. And I was, we got to the point where we were answering 911, are you calling about the call in the smoke? Are you, because we just, we had to get through all, because in between all of those calls is the woman call, is the woman calling because she's getting her ass beat in the middle of that traffic accident. And you're taking all these calls. You've got the lady calling because her neighbor's dog is barking and I don't like it. You've Mm -hmm. got the person who wants to complain because, you know, they have a civil issue with, you know, their friends or whatever the case. And you still have to take all of those. So I always give a lot of grace um, when it comes to people that are like, well, I called and this dispatcher wasn't really nice to me. Well, let me tell you about what that dispatcher did that day. Let me tell you about the the person that she just hung up with, that wife who just found her husband of 35 years, unconscious, unresponsive, not breathing. And she tried to do CPR on him for the 25 minutes it took medics to get there. And you have to hang up and now you have to talk to someone who's angry because they didn't have chicken nuggets Mm-hmm. at mcdonald's it's and you have to be able to turn that off and and respond to that person appropriately and there are days we're all human we're fallible that's the point of being human that no matter how much patience in the world there was you couldn't your empathy just runs out and you're like bitch i don't care about the barking dog go over and talk to the neighbor don't make the cops come do it for it grow a pair Put your big girl panties on. Go over and talk to your neighbor about the barking dog. And they so, don't. So my my question would be, at a 911 dispatch center that services a population of over 80,000 people, mm-hmm. that is responsible for 911, mm-hmm. EMS, mm-hmm. fire, troopers, WPD. Yes. And every other agency that cooperates with MATCOM, your park rangers, 
Right. Fire marshals. Commercial vehicle enforcement. Commercial vehicle wildlife, enforcement. Wildlife. Pick a feature. The alphabet are, are you trying to tell me that two dispatchers and a call taker is more than enough to handle that? That was, we, at a minimum, when I worked there nine years ago, when they did not have the EMS contract, it was just WPD and troopers. We had a minimum of three dispatchers on, as well as day shift and swing shift had at least one call taker on. So there was... A minimum of four. Four. You had one call taker, which was never enough. Mm-hmm. And you had one person sitting at AST Main, one person sitting at NCIC, and one person sitting at WPD. Now, that was nine years ago when I left. When the population was much smaller. And, and they, they had have... less responsibility. So why are we paying now for a workplace where the supervisor, the director essentially, and his supervisors, Rhonda and them, that cannot retain anyone because they have no leadership skills whatsoever. Well, not only that, the environment they, is incredibly toxic. The environment is, it, it, yeah, it's punitive and toxic, and, and if they anyone, can't retain anyone. And if anyone has anything to say about me making that statement, I worked there, I can say that with conviction. It is a toxic environment because, let me tell you, when you put people like that in a leadership role, in a leadership role, or not even just leadership, if they become part of their little, you know, mean girls group, they're going to do whatever they can to make Mm -hmm. your life miserable. And it is unfathomable to me that as of right now, MatCom does not have a minimum of five people on per shift minimum they five people per they shift. can't maintain they can't even fulfill that and yet they're telling the world that the state's proposal for north and south was unsafe was completely unsafe for having four dispatchers on which did not include the ems contract mm-hmm. or i'm sorry i apologize i misspoke i do believe that that did have some ems aspects to it but i don't know 100 percent what the the com right now on night shift is patching two critical channels just so that they can keep up. Yeah, they're patching and they're main and NCIC. Do- and they're not supposed to be doing that. And let me tell you, back when I was there, and again, this is almost a decade ago, maybe between the hours of 2 in the morning and 5 in the morning, would you have been able to get away with patching your channels? And that's only because NCIC would go down for maintenance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there wasn't much you could run. Um that is so incredibly unsafe because the last thing that you want, because there's an officer that's going to do it, that's going to go 27, 29 times eight, all mm-hmm. by name and date of birth, and he's not going to take a breath, mm-hmm. and he's going to give you some long dissertation because in his mind, he's like, I got to run these people. I got to get this done. Let me just get this out. And in that amount of time, someone went out on a foot per- pursuit, someone went hands-on, something happened, another officer... Heck, you don't even have to have anyone. You can. Ha- We've had more than one friend of ours, as troopers tell us, that they finally just said, if anyone can hear me on AST Main because I've been trying to tell dispatch that I'm going on a traffic stop, here's where I'm at. Mm-hmm. It is so incredibly unsafe. Now. Yeah, you have troopers right uh, now. Right now, as we speak, that could go 30 minutes 
without being checked on, without which being is checked on. on a traffic stop, you get on the initial contact, you get one minute. Mm-hmm. The the standard back when I was there, and what I always taught when I as a certified tra- I was a CTO, a certified training officer. They got one minute from the time they told me they were on a traffic stop to make contact with me again, and then I started making contact with them. After they got back to their car and they ran their person, they got three minutes because you're going to write a ticket or whatever. I'll give you a couple minutes, but I need to know you're okay. Now, I say all of that that. Those facts, because it's not, I'm not throwing shade. I'm not throwing any of that other stuff. I don't want to minimize that there are not some incredible dispatchers out there who have withstood the storm, who have withstood being around incredibly toxic individuals who make sure that they merge their personal life with their professional because they make sure that all of it's happening in the dispatch center as you destroy marriages, you know, and you Mm -hmm. make sure that it's all involved in dispatch and everybody knows your business, but then you're all mad when someone calls you out on your business, but you know, whatever. Um, There are some incredible dispatchers who even with all of those handicaps with all of those interruptions with all of those things working against them go above and beyond and do a fan fucking tastic job and you know who you are you know you're my people and you know that you constantly have officer safety as your main priority because look public safety absolutely high up there should be but uh, public safety is one notch below my officer safety because I, w- I can't do public safety if my officers aren't safe i would argue that uh there was one dispatch in particular that she came off rude, very cold. But guess what? I was always safe. Like, she knew where you were. She 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 didn't she let you get away clear. with shit. I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to be your guardian. Big and difference. She knew. Big you, difference. And I don't care what anyone has to say because I absolutely adore this person. And as gruff and as rough as they could be around the edges, when you had something that you needed answered. They knew. They knew it. They knew. And they always knew where all their officers and troopers were. They knew where they were all. There there are people who can do the job. Mm-hmm. And then there are people who do the job. Not because they can do it well. Mm-hmm. They're just there. And there or is they're a, using it at their, as their platform to marry up. Yeah. To like go they're. from one aspect <laughs> to another and just keep jumping the scales. But, yeah. but that's the <clears> thing, <throat> though, is that there's a difference between... Mm-hmm. And and I think that this goes back to what we were you you know what you talked about with you know the staffing issues and everything else like that. You cannot just put people in the chair and not give them the adequate training and then be like, "Oh, when they mess up, be like, "Oh, well, that was a training issue. Oops, our bad." Because you're not adequately training, you're not vetting these people. I know for a fact after having conversations and I'm going to keep all these people's names anonymous because Mm -hmm. I don't want to throw anyone under the bus because we all know how retaliatory everyone is Mm -hmm. to this day Mm -hmm. that they have had to sit there and listen to these multiple failures in the breakdown and, and anyone, it doesn't matter what type of operation you're talking about, whether it be military whether it be at the grocery store, whether it be dispatch, if you don't have good communication, you have nothing. And communication is always the first thing that breaks down. And when you're not training your people appropriately that don't know how to handle, that don't know how to multitask, that don't know how to funnel all of those emergent situations and prioritize and and take those things and deal with them appropriately, it's mayhem. 
And that, when you don't have someone who's good at that, when they hear that their dispatch is breaking down and just, fuck, we don't know, man. Like, oh my gosh, da-da-da. Like, there are, that trickles down. That stress is felt on the officers because they're Mm -hmm. like, oh, I don't want to call this in, but I need to, but a dispatch is going to get pissed or whatever, you know. And at at a minimum... Knowing the population growth, knowing the fact that I have many friends of mine that still work in EMS, that they are constantly running out of ambulances. Mm-hmm. There's none left. So you can't tell me the call volume hasn't gotten any greater because we know it has. If they're not running a minimum of five people, damn near all day, if not all day and all night, that is a gross injustice to the, the Matsu Valley. And to everyone that's here, because you're going to get put on hold, mm-hmm. and your call is going to get forgot about, or whatever the case may be. You can be the best dispatcher in the world, but if you're overworked like that all the time, like I said, I've made mistakes as dispatchers. I have made some monumental mistakes as a dispatcher. One haunts me to this day, even though the mistake I made was in good faith. It haunts me to this day because I feel horrible. Um, I don't know if you want me to tell that story, but I will. Um, we're, we're human. We're fallible. We're going to make mistakes. And if you're not supporting your people, if you don't have the staffing to support your people, you're failing. And you need, you're obviously not, you're obviously not doing what needs to be done and something needs to change. Because you've got to get those people in there. You've they've even upped the starting rate of pay there, and they still can't and fill it. They they're and it's not and it's not just that. I mean, you're you're overworking people because you're not giving them enough training, and then you're just setting them out there. No one's going to stay on for that. When you allow toxic people to be the OIC for the shift or the shift supervisor or whatever, who is a toxic individual who's going to look at you and go, "Oh, well, you're kind of cute." And well, I convinced that guy to leave his wife and get with me. So I'm kind of afraid that you're kind of cute and being around and I don't want that to happen again. So I'm going to make sure that I bully the shit out of you until mm. you leave. I've seen that happen with a couple of different people. I've had multiple people who are like, oh, I was thinking about working there. And I've said to all of them, you know what? There are some great people that work there. There are some fantastic dispatchers that work there. Problem is, is they're the minority. Mm-hmm. And it is hard to do that job well when you're the minority. Yeah. I think help is on the way. One of these days, help is on the way. Uh, I mean, I could tell you right now, my stance is that MACCOM doesn't need to exist anymore. They they need to go with a statewide dispatch center. But you can't do a statewide dispatch center until you clean up the uh, the leadership because they're uh, just going to put the same yeah, wrong people in those positions yeah. and you're just going to regurgitate the same mistakes right. that are happening now, which mm-hmm. is why when they were proposing that statewide, it was a whole entire different group of people, which is yeah. why that was going to work. Yeah, they need to uh, uh, and that they need to clean the slate. You know, you, they you, do. Got, uh, you have to clean up all these management teams, get rid of them. Uh, I would strongly encourage a consent decree consent decree is what's going to clean up uh, mm-hmm. the department which in turn will clean up all these other agencies because now you have outside eyes looking 
Uh, this is why you have domestic violence among troopers in their households. They're so stressed. Uh, you know, uh, we were talking about this today. Did you know that the Department of Public Safety does not have a random urinalysis program? You can go 30 years. You can go 40 years in the department and never, ever, ever have to provide a uh, a blood or urine uh, sample ever your whole career. And you only get caught because you discharged your service weapon. Yep. Uh, the only time you have to provide blood and urine is if you've been in an accident, a, a collision yeah. vehicle, or if you've used force, mm-hmm. i.e. Uh, a shooting. Other than that, you will never have to do it. So you have guys right now that are self-medicating on the job right now, self-medicating. We, we had a dispatcher, same thing. She'd had... Oh, the heroin addict. Oh, not, I know the, that one. That's not the one I was thinking of, though, mm. but I do know what you're talking about. This other one was someone who had had surgery mm-hmm. and came back to work and was, this was a long time ago, and was taking her pain pills while she was at work, while mm-hmm. she was on the phone. And I was like, I'm pretty sure that hemp pills you just took your not supposed to take when you're at work. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do, I do want to circle back just real quick, and I want to reiterate to the people that are out there that are doing the job and doing such a fantastic job, yeah, keep doing that. Helps and know that way, you man. have my utmost love, support, and respect because I know firsthand the job that you are doing and how horrible it is. One of my worst days as a dispatcher is when a kid killed himself on the phone with me, mm. 13 years old. I remember that day explicitly. And as a dispatcher, like I said, you hang up that phone, you got to pick up the next call, what you guys are doing, and without the mental health support, because it's still lacking, Mm -hmm. keep doing it and know that the good work you're doing is being felt. And I'm sorry that you're having to do it in these conditions because you shouldn't be working in those conditions. I hope that we're doing our part by educating the public and bringing light to it. Um, Nobody wanted to talk about it. We were like the dirty little secret because no one wanted to talk about it. One of the premier law enforcement agencies in the nation is the most dysfunctional because of its lack of leadership and management right now. Well, it has plenty of management, no leaders. Right. Uh, the proportion of lieutenants and captains to... What is actually needed in the field is ridiculous. They they just create these positions at headquarters what's just to be in charge of, you know, staples and and pencils and what's that saying? Um, too many chiefs, not, not enough, enough Indians. Indians. Yeah. It's literally there's no. Uh, you could take probably seventy five percent of all of the lieutenants and above positions in the state of Alaska and throw them all back on patrol easily. Mm-hmm. I would do that day one. I would bring all of the commanders, deputy commanders, into the uh, into the uh, conference room, and they would all be dismissed from their current duties, and they'd all go back on FTO and back on patrol. That a would lot happen. Of them would day probably one. need to go on FTO because they've been gone one. so long. That would happen day one, and it's because uh, this is the one thing that uh, I've been lacking on this podcast, and I need to make it very critical, uh, uh, a key point. The core of any law enforcement department, any public safety department, is patrol. Mm -hmm. If patrol is being mistreated, if patrol is stuck in a punitive environment, Mm 
without any resources, without housing, without pay, without logistical support, without emotional support, mm-hmm. they fail. If you have to choose between filling a position at the airport or filling a position at one of the busiest posts in the state of Alaska, you fill the post, mm-hmm. period. There's no, there's no, there's no uh, negotiating with that. The Department of Justice viewed the state of Alaska as lacking and provided funding and direction on where law enforcement should be stepped up. That was not a green light to use funding for treadmill desks or for a new logo or special for, order people's or, or to send belts. people or to send people yeah special order for a morbidly obese uh, captain or to send everyone out to Orlando for the International Associations of Chiefs of Police you know what that is guys it's a bunch of crap you take care of your people period mm-hmm. you take care of patrol if you staff them appropriately if you give them if you make patrol the priority, patrol is the first contact with the public. They're it your just, face. Not- it literally feeds the machine because now the people in the public will want to support law enforcement mm-hmm. that much more and will fight tooth and nail with their lawmakers to make sure that you've received the appropriate funding and budget when they know that the people that they're being contacted by care about them. And your which, face, is, yeah. which is happening right now. The problem is we have all these troopers right now in all these different regions statewide. This is a Palmer thing, a Fairbanks thing, a Soldatna thing. Statewide, troopers find themselves apologizing to the public for not being able to help them. Yep. That's and, the face you want. Not these commander people in leadership role who gets to be on the news and gets to be the picture and gets to go to all the special events. Good for fucking you. Yeah. That's not the face. That's not anyone's going to remember. They're going to remember that guy that saw that that car was pulled over on the side of the road and they mm-hmm. pulled over to make sure they were okay. That's yeah. who they're going to remember. And yeah. that's who you need to take care of. And that's who you need to make sure has the time to do those things, the resources to do those things, and also the motivation to go do those things. You want to give you you have to empower your patrol by letting them know that they have the backup and the resources to take action. A trooper on patrol that receives a call that there's an individual that needs assistance, let's a domestic violence, that trooper should feel the confidence that I can call upon multiple people to show up with me right now. I dare you on patrol right now to call up your lieutenant and captain. Call up one of the 10 extra lieutenants and captains at headquarters right now and request them to come out and back you up. Yeah. I dare you. I'll tell you right now, if I'm in charge of that agency, them cats are going to answer that call and then some. And, but that's and just there are a it, few it, that are, but the problem is, is that those few are not the many. No, it should be... If the other you way have around. a badge and a gun... It's not broken just because you have stripes. That's correct. You do not promote out of responsibility. No. As a matter of fact, you leaders, should be even more 
empowered to go and show that the patrol people that you support them and you're showing up on scene and you're hey you know what I'll get your tow truck while you go take process this DUI right. or whatever the case you do what it, and that's just a small small example and they're not they're forget I think they've been just so disconnected that they forgot or they don't give a shit anymore which is scarier than forgetting Anchorage Police Department has a policy that all reports are done before the end of shift could you imagine how is that possible for the largest department in the state to do that but yet the the department of public safety the alaska state troopers alaska wildlife troopers cannot come up with a a procedure or a policy that empowers their troopers their investigators to get their reports done same shift they're down a hundred reports. They're down a hundred reports because you've got these poor troopers that call to call. Not to only call. not only do they ha- they're going call to call. They have to knock out their report. Then they have to distribute and make copies of all their evidence, which an evidence clerk could be doing. The trooper shouldn't be doing that. Right. That should be an evidence clerk that is responsible for making copies of the audio and making copies of the photos and distributing it to the DA and to the public defender and to the court. The trooper should not be doing that. In Anchorage, when I would make arrests in Anchorage, I didn't do charging documents. The public, def- uh, excuse me, the the DA's office in Anchorage did the the charging docs. That's incredible. How is it that in Palmer, that is not as busy as the Anchorage DA office, how is it that the Palmer DA is not doing charging documents? Mm-hmm. The only thing the trooper is supposed to do is provide that report to the DA. The DA does the charging docs, and that's it. Yep. Done. Anchorage has been doing this for decades, which is why you will never see. They will terminate an officer if an officer has that many reports. Oh, hell yeah. If, a, if an officer Not has a hundred open reports of Anchorage, in a sling. Yeah. why is uh, one of your guys, you know, though? yeah. And that's the other thing, too, is that they have sergeants and lieutenants on every shift, whereas lieutenants at DPS, realistically, their only job is to decide Monday which... Monday through Friday, where yeah, are going to get lunch. Monday through Friday, and which clerk are they going to date? Well, I mean, and, and on top of that, there were multiple times when I worked, and I, MACOM for B detachment... There were multiple times that we wouldn't even have a sergeant on duty. We had an OIC. So you mm-hmm. had this officer who's only been on for 18 months, who's the most senior. He's the one calling the shots because there wasn't a sergeant on duty. Now, I get it. People need to take time off, all that other stuff. I'm not saying that that shouldn't happen. But you need to have a structured schedule better to be able yeah. to fill those. And don't tell me that when that sergeant took off, that that lieutenant couldn't have altered their schedule to fill that or vice versa or whatever the case may be. There was no reason for there to be an OIC on as much as there was in B Detachment back when I was a dispatcher. There's over 20 lieutenants, captains, majors that should have their ass out in the field backing up their troopers and ensuring that the public's receiving the best service it's one possible. of the worst things why why is headquarters in anchorage that's not your area why is headquarters not I mean, and, and i just thought it of should this. be in palmer it should be out in the valley because that way on a day where things are fucked up 
yeah, sure, Lieutenant. Sure, Captain. Sure, Major. I'm going to need you to handle this because there's nobody left. That's right. And there's no reason for them to be placed in Anchorage at a place where no one has access to them. That's right. Like, they're on some fucking island, you know, like we're doing, what was that game where they... That's why so much fuckery goes on at headquarters. Because that's why they- you have. That's why you have a lieutenant... That shoots somebody while under the influence of cocaine. That's why that stuff. And happens. they covered up because and you know what? They're up. not. They're not out. And that's where I think there's such a big disconnect because they're not out with the guys. And don't tell me you are, mother truckers. I used to be in dispatch. Rarely, like if mm-hmm. a hotel unit got on dispatch because the headquarters guys were all hotel units. If you heard a one hotel or whatever, you'd be like, "Is some is some wrong?" They knew. They knew when I was out. When I was the recruiter, I was pulling people over and doing backup in that recruitment van. You did, and I remember that. And, Heck, and we even have laughing. a Facebook memory with you commenting on my post from 13 years ago because someone was being smart with me on the radio. Oh, God. Well, I can tell you this, that there is hope. People are listening. Change is coming. And It's going to be slow, but change is coming. But change never happens overnight. And... Yeah. Weird. I it's just so weird. Nobody took me up on my offer to come over for me to bake cookies for them to come prove us wrong. <laughs> but I'll say it again. You can It's a bunch of crap. It the offer still stands for anyone that would like to come prove me wrong. Show that any of the things that I have said today are false and mm-hmm. bring your evidence. You're more than welcome to come over. I will bake cookies. I won't even do store bought. I'll bake them from scratch. And they will be delicious because I'm a really good baker. And um, you're more than welcome to come show. Instead of doing your vague book things or talking shit about us to someone or whatever, which is fine. We knew that was going to happen. I got thick skin. It don't mm-hmm. bother me. It's kind of funny. Um, but again, I invite you an open invitation to show up. Bring your evidence because just coming and showing up and saying, nah, isn't going to work. Mm-mm. Bring your evidence. Show and, me. And you don't get to just come up and eat the cookies either, man. No, nah, so. they're delicious cookies. Yeah. I am a good cook. Yeah, you better bring some. You I come bring from some a stuff. hippie mama who taught me how to cook. That shit's legit. Shout out to my mama. You taught me how to cook. I appreciate you. So I think... Uh, uh, as we wrap as, this up. We wrap this up. I just want to throw uh, that out there just in case. But I have a feeling you have a little bit too much... Uh, where's the emotional damage? I have a feeling yeah. that's what you're dealing with, which is fine. I mean, the truth hurts. I get it. But again, you're more welcome. Come hang out. Come We've show got, me. Uh, our dogs. Our are VIP was supposed to be here today. Got some stuff going on. The Happens. VIP has rescheduled for next Sunday. We are going to have other guests on the show, mm-hmm. and we're looking forward to that. Uh, the show must go on. Nothing in our forum is going to change, other than. We are going to take moments to recognize the heroes without capes. There are some solid people out there. If you there know some solid someone. solid troopers out there. If you know of someone that you want us to recognize in the public, we would love to do that on Military, the show. Military, law enforcement, EMS, mm-hmm. fire, people that are going above and beyond the call of duty. I would absolutely love that. We actually were just talking with some friends today about mm-hmm. doing um, a show here in the future in regards to mental health and resources for mental health, which I think is insanely necessary because i there's none Mm. there's none for dispatch there's none for troopers and the cute little programs that you guys have out there i remember uh one trooper friend of ours in particular who's now retired 
reported that he was having some mental health issues and their response was, well, we'll just knock you down from sergeant, go back to patrol, but show up to work tomorrow. Instead of saying, hey, let's take, let's get you off patrol. Let's get you the mental health that you need. They had to fight Mm -hmm. that. And you shouldn't have to do that for your mental health. Well, you know, you're talking an agency where, uh, and this is typically at your supervisor level. I remember as the recruiter, I could not fill the vacancies at Soldatna Post. I tried my ass off. And we hired, for the first time ever in like years, we had sent a, 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 a black trooper down there. It had been several years because typically all of our black troopers were going to Fairbanks. That's just what was happening. And I identified that as an issue. I was like, man, that's kind of fucked up. So anyway, we send a black trooper down. This is a guy, military, seasoned law enforcement, gets completely railed by, uh, at the time, the uh, acting commander was uh, uh, Dane Gilmore. Mm. And Dane Gilmore, I filed uh, uh, complaints against him. This dude was just a savage. Uh, He would run off good recruits. And when... He ran them off. He would take the rope off of their Stetson, that that, uh, gold and red rope, Mm -hmm. the lanyard that's around the Stetson, and he would pin them on his wall. And he would tell everyone who came into his office, that's my scalp wall. Good God. These are the people that I scalped and ran out of the agency because you don't get to go through me. Uh, You don't get past me type thing. And, you know... This scumbag was allowed to stay in the job. I remember uh, I filed a complaint, and, uh, you know, uh, I remember Cockrell and Patsky explained to me, hey, there's really nothing we can do about it. Uh, You know, uh, he's already had his days on the beach, blah, blah, blah. But that's about it. You know, what do we, you know, there's nothing. But you're not fixing the problem. You know, I was like, well, bring him here. So that you could supervise them and mentor them. I, I didn't want them fired. I wanted them mentored. No, fix the problem. That's not how they do it, right? They say that they can't transfer people uh, based off of punitive. But, yeah, they, we have me emails about that. that. That'll be more in the discovery phase. But anyway, um, it's just the contradiction. Yeah. The environment that they create because they put the wrong people in positions of authority that then run off all of your applicants. So the, they the get, people of they Alaska are hungry, and they just have to like destroy everyone, which is weird. The people of Alaska speak through their lawmakers. The lawmakers granted the Department of Public Safety a crap ton of money to hire more troopers. The department keeps failing to hire and retain troopers because they have no leadership, and because they have no leadership, they create this toxic environment where troopers do not want to stay in it. Yeah, exactly. Does the management team consist of some badass leaders? Yes. But that picture that I popped up, which, by the way, didn't even represent all of the commanders in the state. That was just the captains there with one lieutenant. That is, out of all of those guys, there was like three of them, three or four of them, three or four of them that are actually worth a shit. Yeah, four I can think That are actual leaders. Interestingly enough... All of them have military background. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. 
Uh, they all have military leadership background. That, that right. there's a difference. They yeah, military leadership. Mm, leadership. Good, you know, you, you got an E three, E four that's never seen combat. That you know, they worked in the the motor pool their whole career, cleaning right. vehicles. That's not necessarily going to be. No. That's not necessarily going to be your your future leader. Of, right. Uh, 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 of the department, you know, but. But anyway, so. Anyway. Uh, it, it, we'll continue to talk about all this. We'll stuff. continue to talk about it, and um, we will be a voice. Uh, one last thing I, I did want to say: once again, a reminder: if you're a victim of domestic violence, if you've been the victim of uh, uh, of domestic violence or sexual assault, assault, assault of any kind, there are avenues that uh, you can pursue to report those crimes. If you feel like uh, the department, because of some skewed investigation. Maybe there was people involved that were all buddy buddy, mm-hmm. or were members of the same unit. You know, we we've got certain groups within the department that have like formed their own little mafia. Right. And uh, uh, you know, if you think if you've fallen victim to that, please reach out. Uh, we do have some contacts that we'd we love to hear from you and, and could take action on your behalf. And I do also want to just throw out there for those that are listening that have stood up, that are still in the process, that are still going through the eye of the storm for standing up and and saying enough is enough. You are not alone. It does not matter how much your perpetrator what people they surround themselves with and how much they come at you with that, the truth will always come out. And even if you have people coming at you saying, oh, it can't be true, this person would never do that, your day of reckoning is is coming. And know that even though there's not people right next to you 24-7, that does not mean that we are not with you with our heart and our spirit. And we believe you and we support you. And know that you are not alone. And I think that that is very important for the people that have been standing up saying, this is not okay. And I and I applaud you because I can't even imagine the toll, stress, and everything else that it takes on a person. Because I know for what we did trying to go up and stand up for what's right and the years that it took. And then to have our stuff, you know, get to where we are now. I know the emotional toll of going up against a big agency. And I just want you to know you are mm-hmm. not alone and that there are those of us out here standing and applauding you and supporting you. So don't ever think that you're alone. If also the other only other thing that I will put out there, that if you are struggling with your mental health, if you are struggling with some form of an addiction because of the stress of the job with mental health and all those other things, even if it's not to us, I beg you to reach out for help. It does not make you less of a person. It actually makes you more of a person to seek out that help. It is so vitally important and it is not worth whatever it is that you're doing. You go get go get the help. Get the mental health that you need. Get the support and the structure that you need. Many people have done it and they have come out to the other side and they are wonderful human beings. And I just, I implore you, to stop, take a step back, look at everything. And if you need to go get that mental health, please go get it. If you don't reach out to us, reach out to somebody. There are so many programs out there nationwide. Mm-hmm. There are anonymous things. There are all these things. And and you you just need 
to do that. And it's okay if you need to do that. I know that especially with this agency in particular, they make it very well known, though they don't write it out, it might as well be, it should be written in the blood of many people that don't go get help because we'll come at you. Fuck that. Go get the help you need. It's worth it. Yep, we'll have the links. Um, we'll make do sure all that. to reach out to us, and we are going to be doing another uh, coffee with veterans. So uh, I'll announce that here shortly. It won't yes. be next Saturday. I, I suspect it'll be the Saturday afterwards. So oh, that'll be perfect. We'll that'll be yeah. right after uh, dividends. So that'll yep. be a perfect time. Yeah. So we'll have one at the at the shop again. That's coffee with veterans. If you want to support the shop and support events like that. Uh, and keep this podcast going you can always go to the website and purchase our swag uh, at agescomicsalaska.com that's agescomicsalaska.com and this new design is available right now you can also go to patreon and of course uh, we appreciate if you uh, if you like and subscribe share this uh, that's with always your a good thing and share this with your friends and once again yeah uh, visit our website at agescomicsalaska.com and Represent with the swag. Don't be scared. Badass swag too. So, and as I tell, as I used to tell all my my cops when they were walking out the door, when we were hanging up the phone, I will I will end it with this: make good choices. Take care, guys. You just listened to the Ages Comics of Alaska's podcast. Don't forget, new episodes drop every week. For more info about Alaska's comic book shop, visit www.agescomicsalaska.com.